The Old Testament lesson is from Ezekiel, chapter 33, verses 7 through 20. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness. And the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered but in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has taken by robbery, and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He shall surely live. Yet your people say, the way of the Lord is not just, when it is their own way that is not just. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall not die for it. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness, and does what is just and right, he shall live by them. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just, O house of Israel, I will judge each of you according to his ways. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. The epistle this lesson is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. 
As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Out of respect for Christ, I invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel for this, the third Sunday in Lent, is from St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. As you are following along in the scriptures, you probably notice that kind of the theme for these, message, these scripture readings is repent. That God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but then in fact he calls us to repent. That was the point of the lengthy Old Testament lesson today. And then we also hear in 1 Corinthians 10 that also God called the people of Israel to repent uh, of their sin. And so in this lesson, the gospel lesson, again, you know, there, there's news, news going on within Israel, and there's all these, tra- these couple tragedies that have happened, and they're wondering, why is this happening? And Jesus uses those tragedies to bring the message back to the fact of when you see these tragedies happening, it's a message to you from God that you should look at your own life and repent and believe in Christ as Savior. So we read, There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. And Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, Let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should not bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from the God who so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The text that I've selected for this message is not the one that's in your bulletin. It's actually Matthew 26, and I'm going to be referring to it throughout this message at various points. It's the story of Peter disowning Jesus. 
I don't know that man. Peter's denial reverberates throughout the temple precincts in the temple courtyard. While Peter is denying that he knows Jesus in the courtyard, while he's denying that he, that he doesn't know this Jesus who he counts as his friend and his Lord and his Savior, Jesus is being condemned. He's being condemned to death inside the temple precincts. We may find ourselves to be quick to judge Peter. I mean, what is Peter thinking? When not once and not twice, but on three separate occasions, he insists, I don't know that man named Jesus. Why doesn't Peter courageously confess, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, what's it to you? But before we judge Peter too quickly, and maybe too harshly, let's investigate our own heart and evaluate our own lives and see if maybe the way we choose to live doesn't also communicate, I don't know that man named Jesus. Peter doesn't set out to deny Jesus. Earlier in the day, Jesus warns his disciples that this night you will all fall away on account of me. To which Peter, ever the spokesman for the apostles, vows, even if all shall fall away from you, I will never fall away. But then Jesus specifically says to Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, this very night, you, Peter, will deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter, always wanting to have the first word and the last word, rebuffs Jesus' warning and says, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Matthew, one of the apostles, who also abandons Jesus, reports that all other disciples said the same thing. So you can just see all the disciples nodding their head up and down, saying, yes, we will never abandon you. We'll never disown you. And now it's only a few hours later, and all of the disciples have scattered, scurried to their homes or to the shadows of a back street alley, hiding forsaking Jesus. And Peter, while well, he's doing exactly what Jesus had predicted that he would do, he's denying the Lord, not just one time, not just two times, but on three times. Each time saying, I don't know that man named Jesus. Peter's not much of a faithful witness, is he? Well, what about us? Are we not like Peter and the other apostles? I mean, when we begin our day, we don't set out to deny knowing Jesus, do we? Certainly not. But by the end of the day, we may find that we need to hang our head in sorrow and shame for the missed opportunities of witnessing of Christ and our outright denials of not knowing Jesus. I mean, is our faith in Christ visible in what it is that we say, in what we do, in what we think, in what we value? Is our faith visible in how we set priorities or what we make a priority in our life? 
Do people at our work know that we are followers of Jesus Christ? And how is our faith visible or evident to our neighbor? Or do we tend to be like the college student who was chatting with his friend about an upcoming summer job? This college student would be working amongst loggers for the summer, making some good money. And his friend looked at him and said, well, that's a pretty rough crowd, don't you think? How do you think, as a Christian, you're going to make out amongst the loggers? Which the young man said, well, I don't think I'll really have any trouble. And so the summer passes, and the two friends meet up again, and the friend says to the guy that spent his summer with the logger, he said, so how did it go? Oh, I had no problems. Really? Didn't some of them give you a hard time for being a follower of Jesus? Oh, I had no problems. You see, they never caught on. St. Peter didn't set out to deny his Lord. In fact, Peter intends to stand by his Lord come hell or high water. He vows, I will die with you, Jesus, before I would ever disown you. But when hell and high water comes upon him, Peter's vow vaporizes. Why? Why does he suddenly just deny knowing Jesus after such a strong vow that he had made only hours earlier? Well, there's several reasons. But here's two. Peter underestimates the weakness of his sinful flesh. He also underestimates the power of fear. And he underestimates Satan's ability to exploit both. And then there's the influence of peer pressure. You're one of Jesus' followers, says the young girl. And all the eyes sitting around the fire turn towards Peter and fixate on him. Is it true you're one of those? A disciple of Jesus? And facing that pressure, facing rejection, terrified of imprisonment, Peter stammers, me? I, I don't know this man that you're talking about. Well, by now you've maybe reached the same conclusion as I have when I look at the actions of St. Peter. We are very much like Peter. I mean, we love Jesus, don't we? We love Jesus with, with our heart. We, we love him because we know that he died for us. We're devoted to Jesus because we have his promise of victory over the grave. And baptized in Jesus' name, we awaken each day anticipating that we will faithfully witness to our Lord, to our words and our deeds. That's our intent, isn't it? When we wake up in the morning, we're not thinking, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dis- disown Jesus today. Not at all. We're his followers. We know he loves us and we love him in return. But our love and our devotion for Jesus often wavers, doesn't it? And we find ourselves saying in any number of ways, I don't know that man named Jesus. When Peter denies knowing Jesus the third time, the rooster crows. 
And Peter remembers the words that Jesus has spoken to him only hours earlier. And Peter breaks down and he sobs in sorrow and shame. What do you think went through Peter's mind? He might have been thinking, I'm not worthy to be called his friend and disciple. Might have been thinking, I'm no better than Judas Iscariot. He might have been thinking those thoughts and maybe even worse. And yet, Jesus does not reject Peter. Jesus does not reject Peter. In John's gospel, we're told that after Jesus rises from the dead, Jesus comes to Peter and he forgives him. You may re remember that, right? Where they're around the campfire again, and Jesus this time appears to Peter and he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus forgives Peter for disowning him, and he reinstates Peter. He reinstates Peter to be a leader, to be an apostle in his church. Do you love me? Enough to be my witness, Jesus asks us. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I love you. I desire to serve you. I desire to be your witness. Renew me, Jesus. Refresh me, Jesus. For I do want to be your faithful witness. Well, Lent is a time of renewal. Lent is a time for us to be refreshed. Renewed and refreshed in our witness. And being renewed in our witness begins the same way that it began for St. Peter. It begins in confession. Yes, Lord, I confess to you that I disown you. In my thoughts and my words and my deeds. Lord, I don't intend to disown you. I don't intend to deny, to deny you, but Lord, sometimes my fears... In the influence of my family and my friends, it causes me to be silent. Lord, I'm not worthy to be your witness. I'm not worthy to have you be my friend and my savior. But please, O oh Lord, forgive me. Yes, we confess, as did St. Peter. But then we also hear Christ's words of absolution. Our Lord comes to us in his word and he says, I don't disown you. I don't disown you. In fact, I went all the way to the cross so that I might own you. So I might have you as one of my very own. So that I might forgive you of all of your sins, including those sins when you disown me. In fact, I'm inviting you not only to have my forgiveness and to receive my forgiveness but I'm also calling you to be my witness. Go and feed my sheep.
You see, St. Paul says if we are faithless, Jesus remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Jesus' death on the cross for our sins, and yes, even for our sins of denial, reveals the extent of his love and his devotion and his unwavering commitment to you and to me. He did not die on the cross for saints. He died on the cross for sinners like you and me. And because he died on that cross, he can announce to us as he does again and again, you are mine. I love you. I forgive you. A woman came to a presenter after an evangelism presentation and, and she said, in that whole hour, there's one thing that you said which I liked. And what's that? asked the presenter. That though some of us may fumble and stumble in our witness, we should still speak up and live for Christ. Fumbling and stumbling, that's me. Fumbling and stumbling, that's me. Fumbling and stumbling, that's probably you too. But let your faith show in Jesus. Show it naturally in your everyday life. In the decisions that you make, the priorities that you make, the way you think, the way you interact with other people. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your heavenly Father. Even if you stumble and fumble your way through it, but speak up and live for Christ. The influence of peer pressure may silence us. Worse, it might even sway us to abandon Christ and his teachings. When faced with opportunities to witness of Jesus, we may experience fear like St. Peter did, but fear not. For Jesus promises, do not be anxious about how you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you're to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it's the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And the power for our witness rests not in our abilities or even our knowledge, but our power for witness rests in Jesus' promise to us and in the gospel message itself that he sends us to proclaim. The Holy Spirit renews us and emboldens us to witness when we faithfully use the means of God's grace. They really are the power supply for our witness to our Savior. Dr. Howard Kelly, a famed surgeon of Baltimore from many years ago, but renowned for his Christian principles by which he lived his life, was seldom seen without a rosebud in the lapel of his coat. It remained fresh for a long time, and there was a reason for that. When people asked him the secret of how was it he kept this rose so fresh all the time, he turned the lapel and showed them a little glass vial filled with water. The stem of the rose went through the buttonhole into the water and thus kept fresh that rose for a longer time. And Dr. Kelly would tell inquirers that the secret to beautiful and fragrant Christian living lies in drawing refreshment. Refreshment from the water of life who is Jesus Christ. 
Friends, we have access to that same refreshment in Jesus Christ. That water of life is ours. From the day that we're baptized in the name of the triune God. And as the Holy Spirit of the Lord continues to refresh and renew us to our consistent and daily use of God's word and sacraments. Will our life of witness be different this week? Well, I certainly hope mine is, and I hope yours is too. But the reality is is that we will probably stumble and fumble our way through any number of witnessing opportunities. And in so doing, we will deny knowing our Lord in one way or another. But through it all, you can be assured that as you confess your sins to Jesus, He turns not away. He doesn't disown you. Instead, he opens his arms and he embraces you. And he says, you are mine. I love you. I forgive you. Now go and feed my sheep. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.